Just this morning, I want to preach um, just a standalone sermon as I felt the Lord early this week direct me to just a verse of scripture and then begin to unpack some of the verses that the Apostle Paul was thinking of in this context and how he brought some concepts from the Old Testament that we know he was connecting those things with what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, very familiar passage of scripture. And before we read it, I want to pray and um, just invite God to come and um, to really do a work in our hearts. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of confusion. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are dealing with loss. And the stress is mounting up and we're seeing record number of suicides. Marriages are coming under attack like we've never seen in our lifetime. And people are distraught. And I'm so glad that I don't come this morning to just try to encourage you from God's word. We come this morning, the Holy Spirit filling our tanks up with great faith that we were made for such a moment as this. And God's word speaks to us. And so I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning. And if the Lord leads us, we'll probably open up for some specific prayer at the end of the sermon this morning, but I want to talk to you about this concept, restored, and what that means. It means to be made new again, only better. How many of you, you're getting better as the day goes by, amen? And, and our, we go from glory to glory to glory, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we see it. We're transformed by the Spirit of God that leads us and shapes us. And so let me pray for us. Father, I pray for every person in this room. We just, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. May this not be me talking or me um, sharing concepts or ideas that are out of my head or my heart. May we somehow get directly connected to your heart, Lord, through the power of your Spirit, that we might hear your voice as you speak to us. And I sense, Lord, prophetically there are lives, there are people here, their marriages, their own life, their family, their businesses. There's a season of great crisis and out of that often comes new things, new vistas, new opportunities. And so we press in and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. And we just thank you that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We thank you for the liberty that's in this room, for your word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. And we just rest in that and we feel that. I feel it, Lord, that I'm not up here having to perform and to prove my worth or to be affirmed by men, but we rest, hallelujah, hallelujah. We just rest in the power of your spirit. For the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive, working in us, working in this church, working in the world today. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. Give us a new love for your word, a greater love, greater commitment to your word, Lord. And may your word just come alive, just come alive in us, Lord. Even verses we've read hundreds or thousands of times, may it just come alive like, oh, you just spoke to me. I've read that, but you just spoke to me, Lord. We just praise you for the freedom 
and the power and the potential of this moment, Lord. We just praise you for it. Now just release your anointing as we feel it. We feel you just increasing the weight of your glory and your presence. It's why we love this church. It's why we love you, Lord. When we gather, you meet us and we sense your presence. Our hearts are encouraged. We feel your love. There are times we don't feel it, but Lord, when we, we don't live by feeling, but when we feel your love like we do right now, we're grateful. We praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't God good? Anybody sense what I sense? Just, so, just praise you, Lord. Oh, I feel like there's just like a leftover from last weekend. I just stepped into it. What, was that time last week with Carter Conlon wonderful or what? So refreshing. So refreshing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, New King James says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The message translation says it like this. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah or with Christ, Jesus Christ, anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The result of that is the old life is gone. A new life emerges. Paul says simply, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Anybody like new things? Anybody like a new car? You ever moved into a new house? And you're like, honey, don't cook. Don't do any bacon. Nothing. No, certainly no collards. Just, just love that new smell. There's nothing like it. New car. It's like, oh, you're like, when you, we, we had seven kids. And, we, and the smell of a new car lasted like eight minutes after we got it. And um, just new things. We have a new little grandson. And um, when you, you know, it's like that baby smell when they're clean, you know. <laughs> but that, that powder and those fresh, di fresh diapers. But just that, that smell of new. Everybody loves new stuff. And Paul says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You know, you're like renewed. Are you familiar with how many re's there are in the Bible? I think this is going to be a series or a little booklet I'm going to write. I'm, I'm caught up in two things right now. One is how many times Paul talked about being in Christ. And that's where it all is, in Christ. Seated in heavenly places, in Christ, made new. And then I want, and, I, and I'm caught up with this idea of re, we're renewed you get restored you walk with the lord you can be revived reconciled redeemed you can get a redo anybody thank god any golfers thank god for mulligans out there how many of you thank god for those friends that just give you a mulligan whenever you need it you know 
You get to, to redo. And if you'll repent, then you get a rebirth and you, you get refreshed and you get to return. And then God tells you what to remember. And when you forget, his spirit in you reminds you. And you get reformed, and he recreates, and he resurrects. I mean, all of these things that God does for us, he makes things new. And here he says that not only are you new, but the result of being new is old things pass away. Old things are gone. And all of us have some stuff in our life that, It needs to be gone. We want it to be gone. But not only that, but you become a new person. And listen, when you become a new creation, old things are gone. New things. And Paul says, not only do you just get new things, but he says, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. When you come to Christ, it's like all things become new. Like life, you appreciate things You look through different lenses and you see things that you didn't see. Everything gets made new. You needed a fresh start. You ever needed one, a do-over? You ever needed your marriage to get a reboot? Just, Just turn it off and turn it back on. We need to clear out some stuff and get a fresh start. Have you ever needed one of those? Right here, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, as you would guess. But you may not know about the Corinthians. It was a church that was birthed by the Holy Spirit in the most corrupt city in the Roman Empire. These were a bunch of ragtag people with really sketchy backgrounds. You wouldn't hire any of these people in this church to work for you before they came to Christ. This was a troubled group of people. And if you ever get called to do ministry, it's natural to want to go to places where people are all cleaned up and have a sense of understanding of who they are and what God's word says. But when you get called into one of these immoral, just grossly immoral places, it changes in in, in how you do ministry. And that's what Paul is talking about. In fact, In the first letter, he reminds them in chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, he lists what kind of people they were. He says, some of you, you, you're those who indulge in sexual sin. You worship idols. You're adulterers. Some of you were male prostitutes. Some of you didn't just deal with the temptations of homosexuality, but you practice homosexuality. Some of you are known to be thieves. You're greedy people, drunkards or alcoholics. You live by medicating your pain with alcohol. Or you're known to be abusive. Everybody sees it. They see it on your children. You see it on your wife. You're an abusive person. You don't know how to be in relationship. He goes on. He says that some of you you cheat people. It's all you do. Everything you have, you cheated your way into it. And Paul says, some of you were once like that. Maybe you were on that list that I just mentioned. But how many of you are glad you were once on that list, but you are no longer on that list? And some of you are 
fear comes over the congregation and you're afraid to say amen right now because you don't want anybody to know what you used to be. It's okay. We were all somebody we would be ashamed of if we weren't in Christ. But now that we are in Christ, everything about who we used to be is now G-O-N-E. It's gone. Are y'all out there this morning? It's like gone, gone, gone. Paul says, but you were cleansed. You, in that list, you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't forget this, by the Spirit of God. This group of folks is so tough that Paul, to this church, he didn't write one letter. He wrote two letters, two long letters. And in the first letter, the key verse that we see, there's really two verses in that first Corinthians, that book, chapter six, verse 19 and 20. He has to remind this ragtag group of people that he says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? God bought you, he says, with a high price, his own son. So now your body doesn't belong to you. God doesn't walk around in a temple anymore. He walks around in you. The second verse that's key to understanding that first letter is found in chapter 10, verse 13, where earlier before this, he talks about your temptation is the result of your own flesh, that you let it lead you into places where you shouldn't go. And then he says in verse 13, he tells them, but God is faithful and he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to stand. In the second text, one of the key verses is the one that we use. If you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. The other key verse is found in chapter 2, verse 11, where he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. Listen to this. For we are not ignorant of his devices in the New Living Translation. Other translations, he says, For we are familiar with the devil's schemes, with his evil ways. Paul, in these two letters, listen to me, talks to them about two different angles. Some of them are irresponsible, and they keep getting tripped up, and they should know better. And they keep making excuses. And they're irresponsible in their spiritual walk. And that's why they keep getting tempted and led away and getting into spiritual trouble. What's the remedy when you are spiritually irresponsible? You need to be discipled. You need to grow in your faith. The second group of people that Paul talks about from two different angles is some of you are superstitious. You blame everything on the devil. Everything wrong that happens or everything you do that's not right, you blame it on a demonic presence. I almost said demonic president. Not that that would be ever happening to us, but probably to Paul it it did. I'll drink to that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So it's, it's superstition. 
people see a demon or Satan's strategy behind everything that happens. And, and what, what's the remedy for people who are overly spiritual or can't leave until they get a word from the Lord about what shirt they should wear that morning? Superstition. People need knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. They need understanding. My people die for lack of knowledge. And they need to be able to discern. Now, those are these two books. But let's go back and talk about our text. And let's look at it in the context of what Paul is saying in that book. You should know in 1 Corinthians, that whole book, he pretty much, he nails them. He teaches them about how to use the spiritual gifts because they were wild and unruly. Um, it was this ragtag group of people that he has to teach them about how to love. And there's a whole chapter given to love. And because he kind of gets them against the wall spiritually in that first letter, some of them don't like it. And he's not a popular speaker or apostle. And he knows that they don't like it. And so they begin to accuse him. Well, his second letter is all, it's, it's the most autobiographical of all of the letters that he wrote in the epistles in the New Testament. And this is why he identifies and he, he gets very authentic and real with them. And he says things like early on, listen, when I came to you, I didn't come with wise, eloquent, persuasive words. And he would say, y'all know I'm, I'm not a gifted speaker. In fact, when I have to speak in front of people, I tremble. And Paul gives them, the, he, he just gets real with them. Later he says, and, and listen, those of you who struggle, I, I have a thorn in my flesh too. And I've prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And if you're sitting out there going, am I ever going to arrive? Paul is saying, I understand the struggle. And so it's in the middle of that book, his autobiographical and saying, listen, I didn't come with impressive speech, but I did come with the spirit power that rested on me. And your faith, he says, is not in some super duper whopper whooper preacher where you go, hey, I, I, I'm of Paul. He, he says, no, your faith rests where it should on God, you have a real faith. I didn't impress you into this. Right here in the middle of this, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Everybody look here. Who could talk in the New Testament about being made new better than this former terrorist? This is Saul of Tarsus. And so he's looking at people who they've not outdone him in their building of their testimony. This is a wrecked group of terrorists who was not just persecuting, but he was killing Christians. And so when he says, hey, if you're in Christ, you are a brand new creation and the old is gone. I know what I'm talking about. The new has come. How many of you are thankful that the word of God wasn't written in a seminary? And there's some people who've got some dirty fingers and they're trophies of grace. Amen? 
How many of you know in this room, thank God, we are not who we used to be, but thank God he has delivered us. We're not perfect, but he is delivering us. And from glory to glory, he is transforming us. Listen, I'm not asking you because I need your encouragement. I'm asking you because sometimes you need a rhetorical question to awaken yourself. Are you being transformed? Are you in Christ? Hear me. Are you in Christ? Are you born again? Have you experienced rebirth? Because in this room, there's we come just like Paul from both sides. There's some of us who go, I don't know if I can ever be made new again because of all the yuck I've done. Adultery, divorce, there's stuff still I'm, it's in my closet that I haven't told anybody. And there's some of us who come and we're, we're shamed. And we're like, I just don't know how God can do it. Others come from the other side of the tracks and they've done a great job being moral. And they're like Nicodemus. John 3, who came, and he was of the most moral, upstanding, strongest group, greatest reputation of his day. They had distilled the old law in the Old Testament down to 613 commandments, and they followed them all. And Nicodemus recognized Jesus had some stuff that he didn't have. And that's why he went to Jesus and said, teacher, I can see that you come from God. And what he wasn't saying, what he was really saying, but he wasn't saying it is, I don't have what you have. My stuff came from God. And both of us, on both extremes, this, this room is filled up with people who the enemy, he uses his scheme, his strategies and he makes some of us feel spiritually ashamed and others of us so full of our pride and our ability to live right and we both miss the mark and the beauty is the one who comes the great teacher that Nicodemus saw with the words from God and he speaks and he calls us all listen into personal relationship with him and when we see him, we're like Moses in, that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, Moses went up to the mountain and he saw Jesus. Not really, but he saw the word, the commandment. And being there with God, being shaped by the word. When Moses came down, the people couldn't even look at his face. His the glory that he was reflecting was like Nicodemus. That's too much. I can't see that. It's some of what they were feeling from the Apostle Paul. They're like, we don't like the way he's talking. And Moses, as the glory began to fade, as it does, and we have to keep going up to the mountain, keep seeing Jesus, spending time in his word, Moses wore a veil because it faded. And when it wasn't there, he wanted people to think it was there. And some of us here, I just want to call you to this. Paul says, Moses 
It faded. And he says this in, in, in chapter 3. He goes, the glory of the old that Moses had, it's not even glory when you compare it to what we have. The Spirit of God inside of us. We are reborn. He wasn't. The Spirit of God in us. And he says, transforming us, making us look more and more like him, shaping us into his image. And that glory is the light in us that from our countenance dispels and drives back darkness and causes people who live in darkness to be like Nicodemus who come to us and go, I can see you have something I don't. And in our watered down Western Christian culture that I talk about almost every week because I want to distinguish the difference and I want Holy Spirit to help us come to understand, am I in Christ or not? Because here's what happens. There are people that go, Pastor Chuck, and listen to me, okay? There are people that we go, we can break this down and get professional about our theology. And I could tell you all the stuff I'm telling you. And then I could put it and we could look at it in the Greek. And we could connect all the theology. And we could nod our heads and get us a good doctrinal teaching this morning. And we could get in our nice little SUVs and leave here with our moral faces on. And go out there and still not be transformed. But how many of you would rather be like Moses? When we gather in this place, his glory comes. We hear his word. And we, our faces begin to reflect what's on the inside of us. His spirit making us be people who are filled with light. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? All right, now, so Pastor Chuck, I, I'd like to have all that. And good, we're at the right place. There's nothing, I was listening to some things this week. There's nothing like hearing a sermon, just up only. You know what I mean? Just big, fancy words. People with letters after their last name. Speaking to people who understand big fancy words and have come to church and there's just no glory. There's no glory. There's no anointing. It sounds good. It look, it's the right phrases, but there's no ruach. There's no breath of God. And so we understand what it is to be in Christ. Even though we're not in Christ, we understand because we've been taught and we have doctrine to get us to heaven three times, but we're not transformed. And I'm coming this morning to call you to repentance. I'm coming this morning to call you into an authentic, real place. I feel like Paul, the apostle, he's, he would say, I know what it is for the old to be gone. I know what it is. I know what it is to be in Christ. How many of you this morning, you know what it is to be in Christ and you're glad you're getting a reminder this morning. So 
So, are you in Christ? Are you plagued with the thoughts of your old life? Feelings of not being worthy. Perhaps you deal with negative thoughts. Spiritual thoughts, like most of us. Perhaps you're you're not growing, taking responsibility for your spiritual growth. And that makes you vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. Pastor Chuck, I just don't feel new, you might say to me. And I would say to you, we have to get you to a breakthrough this morning. Because you being made new is about more than you. It's about those around you. Paul says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are gone. Behold, all things are new. Not only are you a new creation, but all things become new. And this is the beauty. I hope I can express what I feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to say. The beauty about being in Christ and being made brand new is that everything becomes new. Your marriage becomes new because you're new. Your being a father is at a whole nother level because you're new and you're seeing your children in a new way. Your church experience, your worship, your prayer life, everything you do, it's new again. Anybody, anybody I'm up here having a moment. Are y'all, are, every once in a while I feel like I need to open my eyes and make sure you're out there. Do y'all know what it's like to, what I'm describing? Is anybody getting what I'm just, oh, like the sun is brighter. The sky, it literally is prettier. It's more beautiful. And it's not, but it is, but it's not. Your wife is hotter, sexier. You're drawn to her. You're like, that's why I married you. Honey, you've never looked better. 30 years of being married to you. Lock the door, honey. You know what I'm saying? Just your drive to work. The people that are ignoramuses that pull right out in front of you. There's a grace for them. There's a like, oh, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know, but you, even in the worst situations, it's like they don't realize it. But of all the people they pulled out in front of this one, they picked the right guy. God bless you. You know, you don't realize every, this is the, this is what Paul is trying to say. Now that you're in Christ, you're new. Old stuff is gone. And behold, check this out. Look, everything's new. And what he says after that in the next three or four verses is so key to everything's new. He says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling reconciling people to him. Can I stop right here? God, we didn't get smart and go, you know what? 
And we deduce, you know what, I need to go back to God. God brings us back to through Christ. And then he gives us that same ministry of reconciling. So you pull down in front of the right guy. Because God used Jesus to bring me to him. And now he's using me to bring you to him. The next verse, it says this in verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. All right, everybody. I I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence. But oftentimes, I know you have like 27,000 thoughts a day. And like 24,000 of them usually happen on Sundays during my sermon. And so, I, I want to get you to understand... The, the gravity, gravity of what this passage is saying. Paul says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself. And what Paul's saying is now, God is not in Christ, reconciling the world. God, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. But now, God is in us, reconciling the whole world to himself. Are y'all? And then he goes on to say, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Can we just pause a second? Can we just take 30 seconds right here and just tell God how thankful we are for Jesus? Come on, just, oh Lord, we praise you for your perfect sacrifice. We thank you for the Son of God that you provided a ram. We thank you, Lord, that we are the scapegoats. We got off the hook and he paid our price and we love you, Jesus. We praise you for Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Now, God has given us that task of reconciling people, the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to catch a picture. That's if the world's ever needed, it's needed a church that, that, that's on its game of reconciling people. God was in Christ, now he's in us. And now we are his ambassadors. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Ambassadors have the authority and the privilege and the responsibility to represent, re, 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 picking up what I'm putting down. Did you see what I did? Representing the authority of their homeland. You and I are here on assignment having been given the authority to represent God, to represent him as ambassadors. Here in the world, we're on assignment and empowered. But first, you need to understand who you are. All that God has done to reconcile you, making you right with God through Jesus Christ. Say it again, because I want to drill it down. In Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. 
Two things resonate. I just feel Holy Spirit just bringing me back to last Saturday morning. Ezekiel, Pastor Carter pointed out, Ezekiel, the prophet on behalf of God, as his ambassador said, I looked for a man. And God is looking for a man in your home. If God can do his work making you new in Christ, he can do a great work, sir, in your marriage. He can do a great work in your home. The second thing Pastor Carter talked about last Saturday is, it's now. Remember when he asked Mary and Martha, do you believe? And they said, yeah, we know you. He's, my dead brother's going to be resurrected when you come again. Jesus was saying, no, do you believe now? God is this morning, I just sense Holy Spirit, I sense prophetic weight on what I'm saying. There's a handful of people in this room. God is looking for you now because he wants to do something in your marriage now. It starts with the man What happened to the woman in the garden? Ephesians 5 says she is redeemed when she is appropriately loved by a man that God put there who loves her in a way where he represents God's love in that marriage. And she is washed and purified and cleansed by the word. There's some wayward children. God is looking for a man who will father them like the prodigal was fathered. He's here this morning looking for men who will get in the game now. I'm going I'm to skip through a bunch of stuff because I want to I bring this to a close. I've, I sense Holy Spirit doing a great work. One of the passages that we know Paul had in mind as he was talking about being made new in Christ, was the great passage in Isaiah chapter 43. Before you all pull it up, a lot of people, again, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but I like to speak to the 7th and 8th graders in the room so they get it. Isaiah, the great prophet, there's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. There's 66 books in the Bible. And the first 39 books in Isaiah... There's 39 books in the Old Testament. Those first 39 are like a snapshot of the Old Testament, what it is to be under law, what it is to be judged. And then chapter 40 opens up, and I don't have time to get into the beauty of, it's like the New Testament. And those last 27 chapters, listen to me, 27 books in the the New Testament, they're, they're a picture Of when the Messiah comes. And he has come. And in chapter 43, Isaiah says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Everybody look here. What's he talking about? Isaiah the prophet is going, I know y'all have been in and out. You've been close to God and far from God. You're unpredictable. You love him and then you rebel and you pay the price for it. And and he's calling their attention to remember when he brought you out of Egyptian bondage 
And he's calling them back to that day when God opened up the Red Sea. And then God, some translations say, and he held uh, Pharaoh's armies with them. The prophet right here in this passage, he he enumerates and lists this group of things that God did in bringing them out of Egypt. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army again. Those things that held you in bondage, they're gone, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now listen, verse 18. He would say, I know you've been in and out, up and down, unpredictable, lukewarm, half-hearted. But the prophet is saying, today, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I want to say it again. Holy Spirit, speak to men's hearts, women's hearts. Speak to all of us. Forget the former things. Say it with me. Do not dwell on the past. Say this. I will not dwell on the past. Say it. I will not dwell on the past. Ten years ago, ten months ago, ten days ago, Ten minutes ago when I was sitting and I checked Fox News out during Pastor Chuck's sermon and I'm distracted, worried about what's happening in the Ukraine. Forget about it. Do not dwell on it. Why? Because what the next verse says. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let's break this down right here. Everybody look. God says, see, right now, while we're having this conversation, God's saying, right now, I'm doing a new thing. Right now. And then he says, "Um, now it springs up. So this is the prophet going, right now as we begin this conversation, I'm doing a new thing. And then he says, in the middle of the conversation, now, it, it just sprung up. When we started talking, it wasn't there. But in the middle of our conversation, as God pulls us in and just told us, forget what's in the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now, it springs up. And then he asks, do you perceive it? Are you able to see the new thing that I'm doing? Everybody listen. What we understand from this passage is, God can start something right in the midst of our presence and it can be missed. It can be overlooked and not perceived. All week long, I had just basically two passages that I felt like the Lord was bringing to us. And I I let them come to me personally this week so that when I stand, I can preach this with passion and with authority and I'm telling you as sure as my name is Chuck Ramsey if you are in Christ let the old go you're a brand new creation and you may be still going Pastor Chuck I'm trying I just I don't feel new well let's ask yourself a couple quick questions how do you get over your past number one if you haven't done this you need to repent I know we don't talk about this a lot We raise our hands, repeat a prayer, but we don't repent. And if we don't repent, we keep, Proverbs says we're like a dog who returns to its vomit. And that's just gross, isn't it? 
we have dogs and when they throw up, like we got to race and get it up off the floor because they go back and eat it. It's gross, isn't it? It's not half as gross as what Christians do trying to live for Jesus and yet they never repent. I love you enough to call you to a place of repentance. You know, if pornography is your issue and, and it's your stupid smartphone that keeps doing, Jesus would say, then go back and get a flip phone. He would. He said, if your eye keeps calling you, pluck it out. Are you serious? Yeah. We'd rather you walk around one-eyed than keep going back and eating your own vomit. He says, if your arm keeps getting you in trouble, cut it off. You'll be better off in heaven one-armed than walking around here with two, burning in hell with two. I love you. This isn't easy. Y'all know how I'm wired. I'm spiritually gifted. I have, I'm like a schizophrenic. My gifting is pastoral and prophetic. Why did God do that to me? I cry myself to sleep some nights. Upset with me. But I'm faithful. I'd rather cry myself to sleep than watch some of you continue to walk back and eat your your own mess. And I know the joy that if you will repent, you will, you will literally go, you know what? All things become new. And that flip phone, it ain't that bad. Are y'all out there? Am I telling the truth or not? I don't need you to tell me, but you need to answer yourself. Listen, you... If you got delivered from pornography because you just went, you just got rid of your smartphone, got the Covenant Eyes app with you and your wife, do whatever you got, you would be so all new. You would be going, honey, I need to tell all my buddies, flip phones where it's at. Are y'all picking up what? The truth, you'd be walking around selling flip phones. You'd be going, I know not better. But listen, if you knew what I knew, you'd be getting yourself a flip phone. Repent. The second thing that you need to do is read the word and memorize key passages. I could talk for 15 minutes about it, but I'm not going to. Like 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that's a verse everybody in here should memorize. You should be able to say to the devil when is what Stephen Furtick, uh, Stephen Furtick keeps saying, say no to the, crash the chatterbox. When Satan's boop, 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 you need to just fire off second Corinthians. Hey, listen, I know that's in my past. I mean, I think it was. I can barely remember, but that's in my past, and it's gone. I'm a brand new creation. I think you are referring back to me as how I used to be, but I'm not that way anymore. Y'all picking up what I'm putting, and you just, you have... You spend time in the word. You re, re, listen, what, watch what I'm doing. Renew your mind. It's like a brand new mind. Because you've been in the word. And you're able to tell him, eh, wrong person. Third thing, you got to find your people. You, you have got to associate and fellowship with people. Those Christians that edify you and encourage you. People who walk with Jesus and, and they genuinely love you and encourage you. And everybody look right here.
If you're in this church, you have no excuse for number three. This is the most authentic Christian community I've ever been in. There is so much love in this place. We start small groups and they're large groups. There is, we, we eat dinner together. Another person told me just yesterday, said it's, um, it's so nostalgic. God is at work here. Let me, let me close with this story. Please look here. It was about 15 years ago, give or take a year, that Pastor Munn, under his leadership, felt led of the Lord to change the name of this church that back then was called Roswell Church of God. He felt led to change it to Restoration Church. There was prophetic significance over it, and it was a battle somewhat. Some people, it's funny what triggers people. There was a group of folks who were like, it's been Restoration Church of God since 1940-whenever. No need to change it. And this was not a pastor going, we're trying to be trendy and keep up with everybody. He felt that there was a prophetic significance that this was going to be a place of restoration. And we're seeing that. And he paid a price. But we're seeing what he fought for. There's a restoration happening even in this church. It's being made new again, only better. Some of you are being restored. And you're at a place where if your marriage is in trouble, I'm glad you're here. You, you pulled out in front of the right crowd. Are y'all out there? Like, I, I believe this with all my heart. I was working out at Lifetime last night, just blowing off some steam and coming off the fast. I hadn't worked out in a long time. And so I took my little 158 pounds in there and strutting around going, oh my goodness, I can't lift that anymore. Just give me the bar, you know. And wouldn't you know, there's a sweet lady who goes, Pastor Chuck? I had my hat on and everything, and I was like, nobody can tell who I am. And she said, I thought, if that's not Pastor Chuck, this is going to be awkward. And she said, uh, she told me who she was, and she said, and she, she lit up. And she said, we, my husband and I, we've been coming for three weeks. She mentioned the church they used to go to, and they were on their way to church a few weeks ago. And she said she and her husband noticed the line of traffic trying to get into this church as they were trying to get to their church. She said, you know what? If there's that many people trying to get in there, something good must be happening. So preaching long sometimes in the first service and creating a traffic jam. How many of you know that's the anointing of the Lord? She told me a little bit of her story. She's in y'all's group and begin to share that at the right time, God led them here. And God's doing a work, a needed work. They're already into one of the small groups. And if you have family marriage challenges, this is like the perfect one just for that. Why am I sharing all this? We're in a season, as Pastor Carter said, we ended a fast and we're moving into a season of supernatural miracles. And may God restore everything 
in all the years the locust has eaten away. Sir, that anger you've been carrying since you were 13 years old. Ma'am, that inability to connect with your husband because of what happened to you at nine years old when your uncle touched you inappropriately. There's a lot of pain we all carry. It's a dark world. We're not meant to live here. We're pilgrims passing through on our way. But while we're pilgriming, it gets tough. But Jesus has come. Paul would say, if you're not in Christ, get in him. He will make all things new. All things new. He will take your past and it will be bye-bye, Felicia. It will be gone out of here. Y'all out there? If you're here this morning, I just, I want to, no jokes, no games, no playing around. If you're here this morning and you go, my past keeps coming back. I need a new lens. I'm not, I need to see all things new. I need to be filled with the Spirit. Pastor Chuck, when you talked about things springing up right now, they weren't there when you started this sermon. But I sense something new in me. God is, it's springing up. If you're here this morning and God is speaking to you, man or woman, young or old, stand to your feet right now. If God is speaking to you, come on, stand up and be made new. Be made new. Be made new, Matt, in the name of Jesus. You, with a great calling that the enemy has sought to sift his wheat, but he will not win because you have a family of people who have surrounded you, who love you, who believe in you, and a pastor who's calling out those great things that are in you that was part of your destiny and the reason you were born. Come on, lift your hands right there, Matt. Lift them up. In the name of Jesus, in the balcony, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we just praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Could I ask everybody now to stand with me? I want to pray for these. Hallelujah. Somebody just say new things. New things. Behold, behold, all things will be new. Father, these men and women who have stood this morning, whatever their situation is, I pray, Father, that right now they would choose to be in Christ. If they're not believers, I pray, Lord, that you would give them the courage to, to come down here in the front, stay after, to talk with Candace and me, one of the elder couples or staff couples. For all others, I pray against the warfare the distractions. I pray, Father, against the memories and the strongholds that are evil. May we not this morning continue to be unaware of the devil's schemes. May we have discernment and knowledge and say no more, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I have an army of believers. I'm part of a spiritual family with a prophetic word of restoration. May I be restored and be made new in the name of Jesus. 
We take authority over generational consequences. Sins of the fathers passed down from generation to generation. We take authority over those. They're gone. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to pray loud or shout anymore. I don't need to. There's a prophetic word. It springs up right now. Do you not perceive it? If you perceive it, embrace it. Your past is G-O-N-E, gone. Now let the peace of God flood your heart right now. And now I pray, Lord, may the fruit of the Spirit, new vision, well up within each of us. Hearts that have been set free, restored in the name of Jesus. Would you just have all over this room, this house, would you just lift your hands like a child to the Father and say, Lord, just pick me up. I just receive everything that you're pouring into me this morning in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, let the, let the miracles begin to flow. Let the supernatural realm be released and revealed in our lives, in our homes. Oh, yes, Lord, in our homes. May our children rise up in faith, passionate faith, set apart, sanctified, made holy. Use them for your glory. And in this church, in this season, may Jesus continue to be exalted. And may our faces glow like Moses did, but even way more because we're in the new covenant. And your spirit is now not speaking to us. Your spirit is in us. And we just praise you for it, that you're transforming us from glory to glory. May every marriage be made whole and made new and strengthened. I pray for new attraction. I pray, Father God, for things that have distracted us, relationships that are so close to turning emotional and physical. I pray, Father, that you would uproot, that you would divide, that you would separate those things from us and us from those things. And we thank you that there is no temptation that you will allow us to undergo that is greater than our ability to stand up in your strength. In the name of Jesus. I just feel Holy Spirit anointing. I feel released from this stage this morning. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just declare, I am free. Come on, declare it. Say it out. Say it, I am free. Say it, we are free. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, say it. I receive it. Have a great afternoon. God bless you. We love you.